How do you know it's going to sound good? Talk. La la la. Yeah, get closer to the microphone. Ha <laughs> ha. Interesting. Yep. So this is a random podcast that I put together based okay. off of a conversation I had around creativity. Hmm. Right. So all I'm doing is grabbing people from the team to talk about creativity from their perspective. Interesting. What it is to them, how they approach it, how they view it in the world. Hmm. And so you're a unique subject because the last two were designers. Yeah. Tell the listeners, which are probably a lot of DS people, who you are and what you do. Wait, can you edit this too? I can edit the whole thing. Okay. Why do so you I want... can mess up. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. I mean, um, I'm going to leave this part in where you're afraid about messing up. Great. Can you repeat that? <laughs> who are you? <laughs> What's your job title? Uh, I'm just thinking about people listening. They're working out at the okay, gym. Okay. This jo- is Tori listening while working out at the gym. Dope. My job title is creative strategist, which is really kind of general. It means a lot in two different two little words. But basically what I do is and I don't like to use the word research. It's more than being a researcher. It's looking and finding and asking the questions to better understand people. When we talk about like to, at digital surgeons to better understand like customers, clients, products, interactions, behaviors, ways of thinking, on and on and on to better customize an experience or customize um, an interaction or to better grab someone's attention or resonate something with them. Does that make sense? It makes sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's working a lot with data, but not data like. When we think of data, we think a lot about like some old guy on a computer, like looking at a bunch of numbers. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> but data can be more than numbers. Data can be looking at the numbers and putting pieces together. If you've ever watched like CSI Miami, finding finding numbers here and finding a pattern, finding an insight here, finding behaviors there, looking at the world. So like my passion is more in qualitative research, which is looking at people, observing people, talking with people, and looking at subjectivity, seeing the world as gray, not black and white. So how does creativity play into all this work? Yeah, that's an interesting question because, again, like going back to my title, creative strategist, like creativity's in the in the title. So I go in with a mindset of being less, and I had a really good conversation with Joe Pilcavage. Will you be interviewing him too? Yes. Okay, cool. So it'll be good to get kind of like his take on this too. But we had a conversation about designers, and I know you interviewed a, a bunch of them, kind of defining them more as like artists. So the pieces of creativity for them is like while they're creating something and it might be for a client or it might be for a customer, like a little piece of them is in that. And I think the same goes for a copy, the same goes for any type of like piece of, of work. And with the work that I do, I have to go in without my own, as much as I can, without my own biases, without my own thinking. I have to look at numbers and people and behaviors and insights and trends and see it from a perspective of me either being in their shoes or me just being an outsider completely, like not who I am as as a day-to-day person. But then I think creativity comes in where it's like, okay, so here are all these pieces and I'm looking from a very unbiased lens, but now I have to make sense of all of that. And then when we talk about what we do here, you know, melding that with design or inspiring a designer or inspiring a copywriter or Mm -hmm. inspiring an account team to persuade or um, sell or whatever it is, this, these findings, 
there has to be a huge piece of creativity there. It's almost like a mix of this starting with a very analytical mindset to then taking that and using those kind of confinements. And we kind of talked about the two like restrictions to think outside the box. Like if you Hmm. think about time restrictions, like how creative we can get actually with being under a a time construction, like thinking about the data as those constrictions. I think it's interesting is that what you do in, in your department, I've worked in a lot of agencies and it's not new, it's not unique. And yet I think the, the fact that you all are, part of the creative team and not a, a separate team having creative in your title you are a strategist but your creative strategy you work directly with that team that's what i haven't seen before mm-hmm. and what so the, what makes this special is we work together it's almost like a sports team and in the past before you guys were on the team we were a bunch of individual egotistical players who would go in any direction we wanted even if it was off the court or you know off the field mm-hmm. we just went off and when everyone was going in different directions and they wanted to win the game themselves. Mm-hmm. And what you guys come and do is you put a, a playbook together and then you guide the team into certain paths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's interesting. I think what you said in the beginning too, like what we're finding might not be new and that's true, but also what we're finding might not be right or wrong. So it's like up to us to figure out like, is this information, are these behaviors actually aligned with exactly these customers and this mm-hmm. client and what they want to do? Because we could give you general stats or general trends and then it still doesn't apply. And so now you're taking that and running with it and using your creative mindset and you're, you're being inspired by that, but it still could be the wrong way, right? So right. like we're almost setting setting you up to be creative in a way that's that's going to be better than if you just did whatever you guys wanted right. to do. You know what I mean? It's going to be more accurate. It's going to be accelerated. It's going to it's going to have a campaign that doesn't last for a month and does really well. It's going to last for years and be be powerful. Right. So now you have a unique perspective compared to so far who I've spoken to because you work closely with us, but you come from a different realm. You have an MBA. Mm-hmm. Right. So that if you say MBA, that's generally not associated with creativity. Right. right? And then day to day, you're you're deep, you're going deep into numbers and then you're turning and you're speaking to someone who is, quote unquote, creative. So you have an insider's view, but also an outsider's view. So give me that outsider's view on the creative people around you. And what do you see? What do you think? What it, What comes to life as creativity around you? Yeah, that's interesting. Especially and- compare that to two years ago. Yeah. Where you were. No, that's great. So like a little bit about that past, like I decided to get into academics because I was sold on the fact that it's all research based. Like to become a professor, a lot of people believe that like it's all about teaching and all about being with your students and inspiring them. And that's really cool. I really enjoy that piece of mentorship. But there's like 90 percent is is running studies and doing actual academic based research. And I loved that. So while the title MBA, like, you know, is a title and there's a lot of weight to it, for me, it was more about like another chance to get deeper into research and that. So that was my world. But I grew up in a family that's extremely creative. So like my dad's a photographer, freelance videographer right now. He's been by trade, like that's his thing. And then you get to my mom who's very hardworking, but she's has this huge Italian heritage background where it's all about food and talking and like being at Christmas is not 
an hour thing. It's the seven fishes and it's a three day celebration and you're not on your phone and you're not talking about work. You're just getting to know each other and you're having these deep, deep conversations. So I grew up in that environment and then I have four stepsisters, all different paths. So there was a lot of creativity there. My outlet was music. So I got really into music. So when I was going through the MBA program and when I was going even before that into market research and qualitative research, I think I really loved qualitative too because I got to talk to people and I got to be around people. And there was that sense of like being creative and having a creative outlet mixed with research. And so I think that's actually an important thing to note just as a side rant. As we get more into technology and I see a lot of things with like IBM Watson and like all these amazing trends and things that we use at digital surgeons that help us gather data, interpret data, make sense of data faster, quicker, easier, better than anyone. Like that's cool, but we can't lose sense of the creative piece. Mm -hmm. And I think if even the people who are monitoring that or are working with IBM Watson, like a creative strategist, if, if they're just as much of a robot, then they're not going to be able to implement some of that creativity up front yeah. either. Tim Cook, uh, CEO of Apple, said that this week regarding Elon Musk's view awesome. on AI. He said it's it's not about you know seeing the AI as or the machines as mm-hmm. that they're going to do evil and they're going to take over the world. He said it's about maintaining the humanity in it so that, so that they you know they don't do that. They don't reflect the evil in us yes. or, or absent of us. Right. So... So knowing that and knowing my background, like before joining Digital Surgeons, my mindset about designers was like, they are like, I'm envious. Like, I wish I could think a little bit less analytical. Like, (laughs) I wish I could be a little bit more free. And like, I I can do that outside of work. But wow, that could be a full time job like that. You know, people make a living out of just or painting. And to me, you know, it was it was less about digital and more just about, you know, being out there. And so now now joining here, it's interesting because every designer is different. Every copywriter is different. They have a different style. Like, yes, they are artsy and yes, they can be creative, but it's in their own way. And some of them like to use more of an analytical mindset. Some of them don't. Some of them like to go outside and touch the product and and play with it. Some people want to see it on social media, and that's how they get inspired. So there's a lot more depth. There's a lot more thinking. There's a lot more integration with design with a purpose. Like, they're not just doing it to just have fun. They're also, like, actually using some cognitive thinking about it, too. By the way, you just explained the purpose of this podcast. What? Is to... Again. Look at these different types of creatives <laughs> and understand the different approaches. Yeah, it's great. Understand their mindsets, their passions, mm-hmm. you know, what makes us all different. Because, yeah, we are all labeled creatives, mm-hmm. you know, but we we are very different. And yeah. we, we come at things different ways. We view things different ways. You know, we live our lives very different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's important, too. Like, there, there needs to be diversity. Like, how are you going to create something really cool if everyone is thinking the same and living the same and experiencing right. the same things too? This is a, a big question, uh, but what is creativity to you? What you see in other people or your approach to it? Yeah. What is it? So like you Google that <laughs> and I could give Which you- Which is all researchers do. Right. <laughs> so Just I could Google. give you the actual definition of creativity, but I'm not going to. I think for me- and my biases of interacting with creativity and seeing creativity and living with creativity, it's less about something that you produce. I think that's like the end result, like something is produced after. 
But it's really getting in touch with, I think your heart is a big piece of it. Parts of your brain are a big piece of it. But Heart in the head. Heart in the head. And I think like both of them being vulnerable in that moment. And so whether it's, and I don't mean vulnerable to someone else because, well, it may be a little bit because if yourself is in that end product and someone else is seeing that end product, then you actually are kind of being secretively vulnerable. But I think as you're creating, because that's a piece of creativity. So whether that's thinking or physically doing something or meditating, whatever it is, like you're opening up, you're being vulnerable to your emotional side. That's really what, how I see it. Totally agree with that. I love that. Answer. Yeah. How do you put your vulnerable side, vulnerable side into your work? Oh, that's an awesome question. I'm so glad you asked that. I hope you ask everyone that too. I have it. Okay. You should. <laughs> um, so with this gets me so excited because the work that I do, you have to be okay with not getting too biased into everything you see and interact with. So I'll give you an example. Like There'll be a brand where, let's, let's just say like Girlsburg, for example, because that's the first thing that comes up. And mm. that's something you guys should check out on social media because we <laughs> just posted a study on it. So the actual, the older con- consumers of Girlsburg, they're older you know, the they're not the new consumers. They are baby boomers. I'm not a baby boomer. I'm a millennial. I'm a woman. I just, like, just graduated MBA programs. I'm at Digital Surgeons. Like, completely different lifestyle thing with the, with the baby boomers. But having to, like, interact with them and understand why they why they buy Yarlsberg cheese or did buy Yarlsberg cheese, how they interacted with the cheese, you know, what thoughts were associated with that. You know, things would come back like, well, you know, I would have it for, for parties when all my friends would come over and I'd like show off or I love the taste because of X, Y, and Z or I buy it at the store because I shop at this time. And like your immediate reaction is to put in your bias. Like, okay, well, I'm a millennial. Not many people are doing that. Like that's not how people buy. Like that's that's not the truth. And what you have to do is be vulnerable to saying like, okay, I can't think about my experience. I really have to empathize with this person and understand what they're going through and then compare it to maybe the older millennials or compare it to the cohort of millennials because, and I don't know if that was the best example, but I'm thinking about even me talking to another millennial who maybe buys Jarlsberg cheese. They may say it's amazing because I put it on all my grilled cheese and that's how people eat it. Like that's that's what we do. And like those words, that's how people eat it. Like I could be thinking in my head like, okay, that's a generalization. And my bias is I don't really know much about cheese. So I'm just going to go with that. That sounds good. And then I come back to the to digital surgeons and I say, look, everyone eats it like this because, you know, so-and-so told me that. Mm. Like there's so much bias and it's my ego that's saying like, well, this seems right. I, I believe this person. I'm going to go with it. And instead what I have to do is be vulnerable to be to say like, okay, that person thinks this way. That's how they feel about it. I'm going to note that down and let me get, you know, another person's opinion and then compare that. And then I have to come to come to back to, you know, work and in a very vulnerable way, say, you know, this is the findings. This is not what I believe, but this is what X, Y, and Z is showing us. Right. So, you know, a big part of the role of the creative or the life of a creative mm-hmm. is defending our work mm-hmm. and is defending that, that little part of yourself or that big part of yourself that you put into something totally and i know you were in the exact you i would expect or i have se- i have seen mm-hmm. when it comes to numbers when it comes to research that's gospel yep and yet i now i often see mm-hmm. 
the clients fight that more than they fight the gut stuff. <laughs> yeah, they do. Right? Uh-huh. Like I, you, and you've said it, I go biased. I go with bias. Totally. I go with ego. I, I go with what feels right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I can't back that up, but right. sometimes that lands. And then you come with weeks and weeks and weeks of in-depth research and study and data to so, to support things. And they go, nah. <laughs> and that's great because think about it. Like that's what makes digital surgeons so special and so unique. Like how many agencies out there might be manipulating the data or might be just choosing what they, general trends that kind of work and then like swaying the client and then the client doesn't Right. doesn't get angry about it and then you know maybe it works for a week or a month <laughs> right. but it's not powerful but how do you cope with that so you've you're vulnerable in finding insights mm-hmm. in creating interviews and talking with people and and putting together this whole package that can inspire an entire team entire company and you you stand in front of a ceo or a board and they say no, right which i've seen how totally. do you that's that's your baby right there how right. do you how do you feel? How do you move past that? How do you keep working? Yeah. So that's an awesome question too. I think it's being vulnerable with sharing that baby and then inspiring and collaborating. So it's not like, again, like think about ego. Like if I just kept going in there and I'm saying, well, this is what the data is telling us, <laughs> then it's also just me doing that. Right. So I should also be leveraging other people in the community and the community in this sense is like the company we're in. Who would be really good at telling this story? Who would be really good at connecting maybe the dots for this data and adding a little bit of romance to it? Like, how can we work as a team and use a little bit of the creativity bias and then pull in some of that strong data and those real facts in a way that's actually going to sell it. So that's leveraging the account managers. That's leveraging the copy. That's leveraging the designers and coming mm-hmm. together and less about, okay, the researcher is going to talk now and she's <laughs> going to, you know, and you're going to hate what she says because it's fact. Right. And then and the designer is going to talk. against your bias. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're running your company thinking one way. Right. And the reality is, is the world exists differently. Yeah. And then it, like, then I think about in, and I won't say the client, but one of the clients we worked on, when we have an account manager here who's like, well, you know, you know, the CEO is very biased, right? So, so any data you give him, he's going to contradict. But here's some facts about him and his life. So like oh, yeah. he has kids, he has his family. Like, why don't we, why don't we leverage some of that, like romance, romanticize that? So what I could have done, I think is, and I did partial this is, okay, creep sheet. Who's, you, who does he talk to? It blew my mind. I'm not even right? going to say it. I wanted people to know <laughs> yeah. the level of, so, of work that goes into crafting a story for a CEO. So, so who does the CEO know? Facebook, LinkedIn. Who's posting a lot on their wall? And again, could I leverage IBM Watson to find this in five seconds? Yeah, that would be awesome. Um, But yeah, I manually go in and, and look. Okay, so this is the name of his brother and they are really close. This is the name of his best friend and she posts on every single one. I was post. Okay, so now we have to talk about the consumers. And there's a ton of data and facts that they're going to refute because of their own biases, like you said. Okay, so how can we maybe change the names of these consumers to be, you know, his brother's name or his best friend's name? So now when we go in and we present it, and maybe it's not me presenting, right? Maybe it's the designer or the copywriter romanticizing or talking about it in a story-like way and less of a bullet, mm-hmm. here's all the things that they go through, and using those names and maybe that psychologically evokes 
a little bit of happiness in the CEO and maybe his bias, right. And maybe his bias becomes a little bit more comfortable. And so we did do that and it, it worked all right. Like we didn't, <laughs> we didn't, didn't really fail on that one. So. It's both sneaky and highly creative. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Cool. All right. I am going to let you get back to work. Sweet. Uh, because every episode is me yanking someone away from their desk for a couple <sighs> minutes. So I'll let you get back. Thank you very much. Brianna. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.